Hello and welcome to Financial Education Formation. My name's Warren Shu, and just to give you a brief update on Rishi Sunak's summer statement. This episode has been sponsored by IDELO, the price comparison website. So I was driving home on Wednesday from a few days in Devon with the family and um, we tuned into Five Live and listened to Rissy Sumac's um, summer statement. And it sort of dawned on me what a pivotal and very influential statement it was. Um, you know, deeper than um, listening to it as a budget, you've got a chancellor there who has spent billions on supporting the majority, I respect it's not all, there are people who have slipped through, the majority of people in the UK through this incredibly difficult time. Um, and it's not over, it's not over. And his statement was really about what next, what's the next stage. Um, you know, incredible difficult statement to publish because the not only is the economy lying on it, the financial strength of the UK is relying on it. Um, you know, you've got billions. You know, it's for another um, podcast, but um, if you're interested about the, the spending during the financial crisis, um, sorry, the uh, pandemic, um, there, I did a um, series of updates for clients and um, followers of the money plan called Navigating the Pandemic. Um, and um, there was about six of them, five of them, and the last two was basically about the money we borrowed and if and how we'd always pay it back. So um, that's that's available on uh, warrantshoot.com. You can you can read through that. But um, you, know, this is a recession unlike any other recession that I'm aware of, and I've done a lot of reading um, that I can on it. Um, insofar that um, recessions ordinarily come about by an economy starts building okay so momentum think of snowball such roll of the hill gets bigger and bigger and bigger the economy starts growing and then you get to a stage where the government still feel the central bank thinks okay it's getting a little bit out of control what we're going to do is we're going to slightly increase interest rates to slow the economy down so that's their lever that's their control it's like brakes on a wheel the bike goes too fast they apply the brakes the economy goes too fast they apply a rise in interest rates um and that generally slows the economy down and often can put you into a bit of a recession, slowing it down, which is intentional, so it doesn't get out of control. And then they can reduce interest rates then slowly to allow the economy um, to carry on and start growing again. So it's a, a beautiful, as they refer to it, a beautiful glide to keep things all ticking along. Now, what they don't want to do is slam on the interest rates and the brakes too hard so we go hand over um, head over handlebars um, and what we've got here at this current place is nothing to do with a, a booming economy the 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 stop the the brakes in this instance was the pandemic um, and basically it wasn't a case of slowing a booming economy although the economy was doing tremendously well before um, it was basically overnight almost on the same day certainly in the first quarter the whole of the world stopped um, producing stuff um, and it stopped and it was picked up by global furloughing. 
what they did straight away, and it's not much of a lever, I admit, what they did straight away is they dropped interest rates from um, a half a percent down to 0.1% to try and stimulate the economy, or I don't know if it was to stimulate the economy, that would probably be unfair, to try and ease the impact of the effects of the pandemic slightly on people. Because you've got to bear in mind, if you're um, not paying as much on your mortgage payments, you have more money available um, to you to, to spend. So when I spend money in a local shop, that shopkeeper is then able to employ members of staff so that those member staff and him or herself can pay their bills. And of course, when they pay their bills, the people working at those companies that they pay them at can take the money and pay their bills. So we're all connected. Um, and once you get a global stop of no one's earning any money, no one's spending as much money, um, it all comes to a, to a halt. And, that, and that's really what you've got with the pandemic. Straight away, they introduced the furloughing system to help the majority of people, and it's not everyone, I respect that, um, help the majority of people through um, the process and make sure that, but obviously that costs money and that needs to be paid back. And now they say, well, look, we can't furlough everyone forever. We obviously always be a socialist state. Um, you know, we've got to get back onto an even keel. So furloughing is coming to an end. And now it's, now what? What's next? What can we do next? Um, so it's a case of, when you stimulate an economy, the first thing that they tend to do is drop interest rates because that's an easy one for central banks to, to monitor. So uh, dropping interest rates makes your uh, more available cash to you in your hands because you're not paying as much on your debt. So you s potentially spend more, so it stimulates the economy. Um, and also you're not getting as much on deposit. So therefore you might pull that money out of deposit and think, well, actually, I'll do my house up or I'll go and buy a bike to let or I'll buy another property or I'll invest in the stock market. Um, so the interest rates didn't really have much effect because we went from 0.5 to 0.1. Japan's gone negative about 10 years ago. That didn't really have much of an effect over there. So I can't see, although there's lots of talk about negative interest rates, I can't see it actually happening um, in the UK. Um, then we did a thing called quantitative easing, um, which you're probably familiar about because we did that in the financial crisis, 2007 and 2008, um, where, where the government buys financial assets, typically government bonds, that provides liquidity, and again, liquidity gets money moving, and that's why they do it. So underpins the markets don't just crash. That gives a sense of fear and poverty. So um, you know they, they they buy financial assets, and it gives liquidity in the markets and gives confidence. Um, but you can only buy so much so many financial assets. It doesn't really help the end user. So if you're not invested. Um, quantitative easing doesn't really help you in your hand because it just makes the prices of everything go up. Um, and quantitative easing, in retrospect, helps the wealthy because if you have assets, quantitative easing appreciates values of assets because there's more money buying them. Um, and therefore, if you've got assets, it makes you wealthier. But if you've got no assets, you're just getting by. It doesn't really help you. So there's a third thing that they can do is, is um, a combination of reducing taxes, so make things more affordable, um, and also a thing that's referred to as helicopter money. It was coined, I think, back in the 60s, where you literally, as a government, put ha money in the hands of um, the people who are going to spend it. Um, and I think in the past, America have physically sent out checks, $1,000 or so, to each individual, so they can go and spend it. Um, in the UK, we obviously have the furlough scheme, so I put money in your hand so you could pay your bills so things could carry on. And they've also come up with a voucher to um, eat out to help out scheme, which is obviously putting that money in the hands of you to stimulate the economy. Um, so 
the reason he doesn't want high unemployment is high unemployment means people earning less money. People earning less money means less people spending. One person's spending is another person's income. And that's why he's, uh, this is such a pivotal budget um, uh, more than anything else because you really need to keep the um, unemployment level as m low as possible. And we're already seeing thousands of jobs being um, let go. The financial stimulus package run by the British government um, I believe is the biggest um, globally. Um, the amount of money that we've spent is tr tremendous, absolutely tremendous. Um, so he wants to get the economy stimulated again. Um, he can't use interest rates because they're low. He can't. He continues to do quantitative easing, which I'm sure is going to carry on. Um, and then he's going to obviously got these different things that he announced. So what did he announce in the budget? What sort of things has he got going? So for the hospitality um, sector, pretty much. So hotels, um, accommodation, takeaways, that kind of thing, food. We've got a VAT cut from 20% down to 5%. Now, whether this is going to reflect is a price reduction to you and I. So I'm going to go and buy my meal or I'm going to pay for my hotel room. Am I going to see a reduction in the price of over 10%? I don't know. I don't know. Or where is it, whether it's going to help the individuals um, managing those business to reap back a bit more profit um, by changing the prices. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to wait and see the effect of it. I don't ever see VAT reductions being a massive lever on things. Uh, I remember when they dropped VAT before um, in the financial crisis, I didn't really see any benefit of it myself. Um, but you might say differently. Um, a real controversial one was the stamp duty reduction. So they've basically um, removed stamp duty for the first, on the purchase of houses of up to £500,000 uh, from the 8th of July through to March next year. Um, <laughs> What is the government's obsession with um, the housing economy, um, house prices in the UK? Primarily, it's uh, you know a man's home is his castle in the UK. You know we love our house prices off. They don't want to see a crash in house prices. Although once all this is over, they'll be moaning that first-time buyers can't get on the market and it's they're too expensive. And what you've got in this scenario is a load of buy-to-let investors. I'm sure going out to the market thinking, hey, I've got a 3%, they still pay the additional 3%, 3% on purchase of a buy-to-let, I'm going to go and snap myself up a few um, buy-to-lets while there's uncertainty in the market and then whilst there is a low stamp duty. Um, I don't know if it's the right thing for him to have done personally. Um, it's my opinion. No one will know the right thing until it's all over. He had to do some kind of things. But um, dropping stamp duty on property... The reason he does it is because the number of people involved in the transaction, you've got the estate agent, you've got the solicitors, the mortgage valuer, sorry, the, the, the mortgage broker, the property valuation surveyors, um, removal companies, then you've got DIY companies when you move into a house, you spend a bit of money and do it up and things. So there's lots of people involved in the transaction. Will it, it was it the best use of money? We'll wait and see. Um, I, I'm not a huge lover. I think house prices in the UK should stay suppressed if we can get the first-time buyers up the two should then meet if we can get incomes up for first-time buyers keep house prices suppressed we might better get more people on the housing ladder but it's an opinion it's a personal opinion um thing i did like probably because it's close to my heart is the uh, energy efficient grants so to help you spend money on your home so that kind of meets the government's objective of reducing carbon emissions but also helps you improve the value of your home and 
engages workforces. Okay, so it's likely that you're going to pay someone to do that work. So you've got the, the chain there going through. I think that's a better use of money than um, just getting the house prices jacked up a little bit. And particularly when it's going to be abused, I believe, by investors as opposed to true first-time buyers. So the um, green uh, efficiency grants um, help you um, spend money on your home to make it more um, energy efficient. That's going to reduce carbon emissions, which is um, something that the government have agreed to. And also it's going to engage workers in the economy. So I think that's a great, great initiative. Um, and then obviously you've got the eat out to dine out, uh, which um, I think was brilliant. I think that's a really, really good idea. Uh, he's targeted days where people are less likely to go out. I admit, you know, 20 quid, £10 discount is not going to get you a slap-up meal, but it's going to get you a main course, right? It's going to get you a main course and you're going to enjoy it. So, um, and it, it also gets us to go and brave the market, go and get out into the high street and stuff. I've been out myself. Um, we, like I said, I went away to Devon. We ate in a restaurant. We, ate, we bought some food and a takeaway and brought it back to the house, into the hotel. Um, and we were walking about and things. Um, but I do remember the first time I went out, it was a bit nervy. I'd not been out for a while before. And uh, it's like, oh, you yeah. know. So um, I wear a mask. I keep a mask on because uh, not directly just contracting it, but also passing things on. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think the uh, eat out to dine out, I think it's referred to, is, has been great. I think that's a really good uh, initiative. I like it. And uh, I certainly will be taking advantage of it myself. I think it's brilliant. Uh, then it comes on to jobs. Um, so a £1,000 payment to employers if they keep their um, staff on. And then obviously the Kickstart job creation plan. Um, this is so important because I think that we do have a demographic of children who are at risk of being lost in this whole um, experience. Um, if you are graduating today, the number of opportunities available to you are going to be less than they were, say, five years ago or even a year ago, to be honest. Um, because people are taking on less number of members of staff. So um, we need to support those individuals. They've put the time and effort in. They are going to be our future income stream. So if you're um, a retired person listening to this, they're the people who are going to be paying into the system to pay your state pension. So we need to support them through the, through the loop, so make sure that they're, they're okay um, in what they're doing. Um, as a summary of, of the budget, there was bits I really liked, or statement, it wasn't a budget, bits that I really liked and bits that I was like, why did you do that? And I think the biggest one for me was the stamp duty. I might get a lot of criticism for this, but I don't think we need to be obsessed as much as we are with the property market. I understand why he's doing it, because it's a confidence thing, but we're not really seeing a property crash, and I don't think we needed to see um, that reduction in stamp duty. Bear in mind the amount of money that he spent on it. If people are going to move they can afford to pay the stamp duty um, that they had um, or maybe waived it for first-time buyers or something like that. Um, other things in the news, um, Aviva reported recently that 10% of workers have reduced or stopped their pension contributions. Now, yeah, I've said on previous uh, messages, I hope this isn't you guys um, because compound growth really does work in your favour. Um, it's always easier to increase something is to start it. So if you're in a financial challenging position, maybe reduce your premiums down rather than stopping them and then put a diary note in every, say, three months to increase them again because I'd much rather you put something in than nothing in. And um, you know, your future self, I always say this, your future self will thank you, definitely. Um, another thing um, about your state pension, you know, 
get organised, have get a forecast on your state pension. So you can go to the government website, gov.uk forward slash check dash state dash pension or just Google check my state pension and make sure it goes to a gov.uk website and um, get a state pension forecast. Have a look at it. Um, and see what it is. You can do it online now through the Government Gateway, which is far easier. And you can also see your contribution history, um, National Insurance Contribution History as well, to so see how that is. So go, have a look, get, get, get a forecast, see what you think. And um, you, know, you can also add and make up missed years in the past. There's some rules around it. But um, that's a nice guarantee. It's a nice guarantee for you to have. A um, couple of readers' questions uh, that we had in this week. So uh, first question I had, I have a pension from many years ago. How do I track them down? It is a great question. So many of us um, change career over the years and stuff like that and start a pension, don't think much of it, particularly when we're younger. Move on, move on, move on. Um, there is a government pension tracing service, so you can maybe type in gov.uk and then find my pension. It is um, gov.uk find-pension-contact-details, but I'm sure the likes of Google or uh, Bing will find it a lot easier than uh, you remembering that. So make sure it's a gov.uk site because it's free. Uh, you type in your details and it will give you some resources to go and help find it and it sends out mess, mess, uh, information so you can potentially get your pensions back. And I think this is a really important thing because... I would often be speaking to a client and they say, oh, I'm not interested in, in, in that. You talk about that pension is only small. And when I look at it, you know, it could be small, but quite often it's like £50,000. And I sort of say to them, I said, well, you know, if £50,000 was laid on the floor, would you just leave it there? Would you ignore it? Or if £50,000 was in the bank account, would you ignore it? And if £5,000 was in the bank, would you ignore it? You know, the, the numbers are relative to every individual, but you've got to re remember that people will ignore the pensions because they are de seemingly more complex to understand. And I understand that. I do get that. But, um, you know, it, it's worth being financially well organized and doing a, and doing a round robin and just getting updates on all these. So if you have time on your side, maybe now's a great time for you to do that. Uh, how much can I safely draw from my pension each year? So this is another reader's question. They've obviously approached retirement and they're just wondering how much can I draw down um, being, being safe. Um, this is a question bounced around by financial planners and investment advisors all the time. Um, there was a lot of research done on the safe withdrawal rate a number of years ago and um, subsequently it's just been carried on. It's a, a good rule of thumb is 4% a year. 4% of the original investment indexed in line with inflation um, is a fair withdrawal rate if you have 60% in global equities and 40% in global bonds. Okay, so let me go through that one more time. If you've got £100,000, £4,000 a year or 4% increasing in line with inflation um, if you're invested in a 60% global equities, 40% global bonds, is generally deemed to be the fair, safe withdrawal rate. Now, statistically, there's a couple of calculations we can do. I think from memory that succeeds, that would have succeeded about 75% of the time. Now, for some of you, you might think, geez, 75% of the time, that's like, I, there might be 25% um, of the time where it doesn't work and I'll run out of money earlier. And, and that is the case. It's not a guaranteed withdrawal rate, it's a safe withdrawal rate. Um, and therefore, if you can increase your um, chances of having a sustainable portfolio um, by 
index in your portfolio, your, sorry, index in your income only in the years when your portfolio grew in value. Now, it might seem an obvious thing, but if you think back what I said, I said 4% of the original investment every year indexed in line with inflation. But if in the year where your portfolio doesn't grow in value, you just don't increase it, you keep that year level. And then the next year it increases, so you index it with inflation just for that year there. You increase every year. That increases the probability of success based on historical data to about 95%. Just that one little change um, was a big change there. So that's something that you, know, you can do. And the time period of this is about 30 years. It says it should last about 30 years. So someone retiring at 60 should allow their portfolios to last until they're 90 um, so it seems sort of a safe withdrawal rate. It's not a guaranteed withdrawal rate. I think that's the, the important thing to remember. Uh, for a guaranteed withdrawal rate, we still have annuities. You know, the rates are not as good, but you've got the guarantee. So it depends on what's important. And remember, you can always partly annuitize your income. And this is something that I talk to people a lot about. You know, maybe annuitizing your basic living essentials. So you've got your state pension. Make sure you're guaranteed income to cover all your basics. And then draw down. Uh, for the fun money or the surplus on top. Um, so, smart to spender um, section. So remember, it's not bad to spend money, it's just bad to spend other people's money. And what my outcome with this section is really to get you guys to um, be savvy shoppers. Make sure you're getting the best bang for your buck, because I want you to enjoy your money. We've got your allocations, 50% for household bills, 30% of your income for general spending, and 20% of your money for investing. So with that 30%, I want you to enjoy it and buy things that you really want. So what's going cheaper this week as opposed to previous week is road bikes, which really blew me away because I kind of figured summer's coming, lockdown, people will always be on the bikes, so maybe they'll go up. But bikes are 25 cheaper on average this week than they were last week, which I think is tremendous. Um, and something close to my wife's heart, and actually something that's really got me since lockdown is gardening. Um, never been a gardener, been anti-gardening, and if you're not interested in gardening, I can understand. However, if you do love gardening, I can also understand. I've really got into gardening. So garden hoses, actually, this week are 26% cheaper than they were last week. Um, you know, Idealo is a great site for you to use to get a price comparison. It really is. Um, go on to idealo.co.uk, type in the item that you want. Not only does it find the cheapest um, out there, uh, from searching the internet, it also shows you a price trend. So you can see pictorially as a graph, like I like graph, people like graphs, on how the movement of the price is. So if it's climbing, you might think, ah, it's getting quick before it um, goes up. Or if it's coming down and you don't need it today, you might just hold fire and keep a track of it. Um, it's something the whole family has used now for oh, over four years, I think, over three years, because I wrote the book two years ago, and it's in the book, and I was using it when that was going. So I don't actually know, if I'm honest, how long I've been using it, but for a long time. And honestly, Idealo's only been involved with the show for six months or so, so it's way before that. It's something that's close to my heart. I'll only use things and talk to you about things on the show um, that I personally use um, and my family use, or I have used in the past. Um, I'm not interested in trying to just sort of um, promote different providers to earn an income from it. Fortunately, my income comes from Lexington, and I'm lucky there. I do this to help out people and to spread the good name of financial planning, if I'm honest. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it, it's uh, Idealo's a good site, and I like it. I've used it for a long time, and, um, yeah, it's okay. 
But um, no, please send in your messages to me. Give me some feedback. Tell me how I'm doing. Send me in your questions. I do love to hear your questions. It does make my life more interesting when I get those questions. I know what I'm doing here is being used. Um, get yourself organized financially and get a plan. You know, uh, life's so much easier with a plan. You know what you're doing. And although we might feel that we're in a period of uncertainty at the moment, this time will pass. Okay, this time will pass, and when we're out the other side, you kind of want to be in a position where you can make the most of it. So, um, if you go through a difficult time at the moment, my heart goes out to you. Yeah, there are a lot of people who are being laid off. I do understand that. Um, if you know someone who's being laid off, share my information with them, share my site with them. There's lots of free information on there, um, and uh, I'll see what I can do to help those people out in a future episodes and stuff. So, anyway, my name is Warren Shute. This has been Financial Education for the Nation. It's been a pleasure talking to you and please connect to me on social media it'll be a great um, pleasure to follow you back take care and speak soon